welcome back to The Climb. Today is going to be a very special episode. I got a, one of my, I'd probably say one of my, like, best coaches I've ever had. And um, just uh, just an overall great person. Uh, Mr. Steven Besita, welcome, sir. <laughs> proud of me, bud. Of course. So you're a basketball coach and a, a podcaster. So which has been, like, more harder for you, um, just kind of starting up and everything? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I would say that podcasting has been pretty easy because I've done so much other stuff, you know, between, I guess, starting up businesses. Um, I think the gym business was the hardest thing I ever did. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say the gym business is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Podcasting mm. has been easier because I've learned so many things from the gym business involving marketing advertising yeah. uh ending market research and just understanding that world especially with social media and how to use different social media platforms like instagram or twitter or facebook or youtube uh snapchat i mean there's so many platforms and so taking time to learn about all that i i had i had taken time to learn about all these different platforms over the course of owning different businesses. And because of it, it set me up for being able to launch a, uh, you know, podcast and media thing really quickly. So the, the network I'm part of is called social notion yeah. and I'm a podcaster on it. And I was the first podcaster they brought on, they brought me on to help them too. And so they didn't have an Instagram, in 10 weeks, we've got 45,000 followers on Instagram. Um, they didn't have a YouTube channel. In 12 weeks, we have 14,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have a huge listener base yet. Now our listener base is right about a million people between Spotify, Apple, iTunes, YouTube, and then everything else. Their Twitter account has like 50,000 people mm -hmm. to follow. Now. I don't actually know how Twitter works in full discretion. I don't know. I just look at it at times. Twitter is not my strong suit. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I'm better with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, so, but they've, I mean, they've just crushed it with that. So it's been cool. It's been really cool to see how that's grown. Uh, I think the easiest part too was, you know, we really launched during the coronavirus. Yeah. And everybody's sucking up content right now because there's nothing to do. You know, everybody's locked indoors, which is, was helpful for us. Yeah. And then having good content for people to listen to, which was really good. I mean, that's one of the big things that's important, though, is what are you bringing to the table for people to listen to? For us, it's always been about having, having it be real interesting, real educational. And when we have people on, they're real people and they're real stories. And, yeah. you know, people enjoy hearing about what it took for other people to become successful in whatever, whatever they're in, you know, I've got, had hip hop artists on that have done really well. Um, business owners, women, I've done a lot of stuff with women empowerment, um, actresses, uh, geez, coaches, college coaches, um, people in the mental health industry, mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff, you know, or yeah. sports psychologists, all, all those different things that, and then I've done stuff on being a dad, being a father, dating, relationships. I've had girls on for that kind of stuff. So 
women, I shouldn't say girls, sorry. And all that has been really, even for me, just getting to have the time to talk to people and connect with people and kind of expand my own network has been really cool. Yeah. Uh, I have people now reaching out to me all the time. I actually just spoke to two people today that reached out to me to do, to be on one of my podcasts. And it's cool because like in the beginning, I was reaching out to people and thankfully I have a really big network from being a strength coach. I've worked with a lot of pro athletes. I yeah. have four guys get drafted in the NFL this year. Um, all four are going to be on it. I've been in the athletic world for so long and then knowing so many coaches and, and just different people in different industries. I've had a lot of yeah. really, um, I guess, big hitters in their own respective industries. I've had a couple comedians on both sure. massive followings. Yeah. Uh, it's been cool. You know, that's been really helpful getting people that, that have already a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. which was really helpful for me too. So I would say the podcasting thing was really easy because I had such work already and I had a, a team I was doing it with. I wasn't doing it by myself. So when I came in, I'm not cutting and editing and, and doing all the things that you may have to do. And then one of the other things that's really important is I don't really have to worry about editing. Yeah. When I go on, I do my thing and we just, it's raw, dude. If my daughter runs into the room we just leave it like most of the time there's nothing that we feel like we got to cut and edit now in full disclosure there have been a couple times we had to cut and edit some stuff but out of all the episodes i've done which is about 30 now maybe 30 maybe just over 30 mm-hmm. we had to edit maybe three so we're doing out of 10 percent. do we have to even edit which yeah. is pretty, pretty helpful it just streamlines it. it stream it streamlines it and it makes it easy to do right you go on there you do your thing you put in your intro, put in your outro, and boom, you're off to the races. For sure. And um, what, how, what, which one do you think is more has been more like beneficial for you as a person? Coaching or podcasting? Yeah. <laughs> beneficial as a person. Oh man, well I've only been doing podcasting for a few months. Yeah. Been coaching for ten years. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with coaching for now. In what way? It's a great question. <laughs> In coaching, you get to make big impacts. You know, I did the podcast to continue to make impacts in people's lives and help um, offer yeah. good information and stuff. In coaching, you get to have a lot of people that you're directly responsible for having an impact in their lives whether positive or negative, you, you as a coach get to choose what you're going to do. I would say what are two or three of the biggest lessons that you learned and grew from and playing for me? Like how did playing for me develop you as a young man? I'd uh, definitely say to um, keep working hard, not stop the drive within you. Okay. And, and um, definitely to just stay positive. You definitely kind of, Tell me that to keep staying positive and keep your keep yourself uh, positive in, in your mental aspect and everything. Which are two really important things for life. And if those are two of the life lessons you take, and hopefully they are life lessons for you, then I did my job. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my, my, I guess the way I approach coaching is I, the way I approach everything. Give 100%. Give everything yeah. you have do it the right way. So if you're building up young men and young women to be productive men and women of society later in life because everybody's going to end basketball at some point right Mm -hmm. so how are you also impacting people's lives are you doing it the right way in building people up 
and using basketball as that tool or are you using it to tear people down and to build your own ego i Mm -hmm. for me i don't have i don't have an ego in the sense of i need to win x amount of games a season or i need to prove that i'm better by winning games like i do it because i want to help kids develop into young men and women yeah i've lost games you were on the very first team you played for for me Mm -hmm. in the eight months you were on that team i think we only won four games yeah and we played two tournaments a month and there's three to four games in a tournament so let's just say average at three so let's just say it was six games a month right for eight months so what is that 48 games that we lost and four that we won and the thing is it's people would probably think i'm crazy for saying this but i think that was one of the most successful seasons i've had with a group of players because all you guys were like just bonded like brothers. Yeah. Everyone went and supported each other and everything else that you did. And, and all those kids made their high school teams, which was crazy to me because we didn't per se do well as far as wins and losses were concerned. And a lot of them went on to play other sports and find their success in life at other things. But even to this day, I still talk to most of you guys. And I would say most of you guys have had pretty successful lives so far. Um, academically, athletically, and it's not always about the wins and losses. I've had teams where we played, you know, 60 games and we won 59 of them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they, that they were any more successful. And in some ways, I actually feel like we probably failed more because I don't know that all the players grew the same way. I don't think their bonds were tight like a family. And I think that they maybe weren't as successful in academics and and then just in life in general. So wins and losses shouldn't be what the priority is. Does it feel good to win? Of course. I don't like to lose. I don't think anybody really likes to lose, but there's a lot of lessons in those things. And then you've been on teams that you've played for me where you guys literally won championship after championship after championship. And I know because I have all the pictures cataloged. Like, I think there was one stretch where you won or got – you either you either took first place or second place like nine weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. I think we got seven championships and two runner-ups in nine weeks. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, think there were, I think what broke our streak was I played you guys in a – a really big, really hard, not that we didn't play hard competition, but I think I bumped you guys up even to a, I think we were usually played gold. I think I bumped you guys up to an open division and mm-hmm. I put them up a year as a unit. And in that one, we took a couple, we, I think we ended up 500. So we won two, we lost two, but we won one on Saturday and we went one and one. And so that put us in, um, you know, we weren't the number one seed or anything. We ended up playing a really hard team last that game, so we ended up playing a um, consolation game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you've been on teams that all you guys did literally was win, and then you've been on yeah. teams where you didn't win as much. But mm-hmm. going back to it, the important thing was how how you all developed, how you each grew, and how I benefited each lives. And that. I do it. I'm doing it to benefit your lives. I don't care. Look, I'm always going to lose games, Mm -hmm. right? Any coaches, you're never going to go and just win every game. And if you think you're going to win every game, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. Yeah. It just, 
It, it doesn't matter who you are. Michael Jordan didn't win every game. Magic Johnson didn't win every game. Kobe Bryant didn't win every game. LeBron James didn't win every game. No matter who you are, everybody's lost games. It doesn't matter the sport. Tom Brady's lost games. I mean, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter the sport. Everybody loses. Yeah. But, but how do you continue to develop as a person? How are you as a coach building women? And, again, if it's not about building young men and women, not just in the sport itself, but also for life, I don't think you should be coaching. And I've had words with other coaches that I don't feel like did it for the right reasons. I truly feel to this day, if they are still coaching, I would still say the same thing I said, which is very much they're in it for the wrong reasons and they should go find something else to do with their lives. Yeah, for sure. And then how did you start the initial growth of your uh, podcast? Like what, what went into that? Well, so Kevin is our producer, executive producer. He's the one that runs Social Nostra. Mm -hmm. So Kevin had just started it himself. And it was the effort of, you know, sitting down and coming up with a constructive game plan. So, you know, I, I actually watched a few different really good podcasters who were doing very well and have these huge audiences and, so on and so forth. Yeah. And so I listened to three of them. I just picked three. I don't even know who the three were. I mean, I know who one of them is now because I watch his, uh, I'm on his Instagram and stuff. But um, it was, you know, listening to all the things that were similarities. You know, they all gave like your 10 tips of how to grow your podcast and what to do and whatnot. And I just, you know, all of them had eight of the same between the three they all had eight of the same they all had two that were a little different so i took those eight that were same i took all the ones that were different and then we kind of figured out from those six ones that were different what kind of worked for us and helped yeah um you know just consistency you know how many shows do you have going a week right because we're part of because i'm part of a network in the beginning it was just like popping out shows man i, I was doing a lot of them so i was doing like three four five shows a week yeah. One of their group doing it. And so we we're just popping up shows literally as often as we could. Um, sometimes two or three in a day. Mm -hmm. And it was getting to a scheduled system of you should always have your podcast on the same, you know, so there's a group of us now where there's people going Monday through Friday and they're always posted at the same time, the same day, the same person. There's a Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, thing that goes out beforehand for the week. Mm -hmm individual so synchronizing all your social media platforms to build your youtube channel making sure people know on your youtube channel what you're actually doing and then it's the simple things like if you don't tell people to do stuff they're not going to do it people, yeah. hey if you like this make sure you comment make sure you subscribe you know tell us if you have an idea like engage with us and then you got to engage with them uh, mm -hmm. and that's something that really started to really build the momentum and get things going. So there's a lot of little tricks that yeah. helped, you know, it helped a lot actually. And so we just did those and we found out what worked the best and then maybe what didn't work so well. And then we re-strategized, but you know, we've been blessed. Like it really did take off. And again, part of it is just, we're living in a time right now where everybody's consuming content and because of it, it's easier I think right now, just get more people to see your stuff. If you mm -hmm. put a little bit of time and effort into it. Yeah. 
um, they're not overproduced. I mean, honestly, you, I think I sent you a couple videos. I don't know if you watched them, but they're not like overly produced or anything. It's like you have an intro, the person talks, and then there's a small outro, and that's yeah. it. You know, like I said, they don't really edit my stuff. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm really just getting through my stuff and they're like, cool, man. You don't need to edit anything. Have fun. And they're like, cool. Intro, outro, done. Yeah, for sure. I don't know and how much work you do on this, though. Oh, um, I, I have, uh, me and, uh, me and one of my friends, we kind of just, uh, we kind of just, he does more of the editing and I tell him just what I want to go into certain places. And yeah, kind of, kind of the process you said, it was just kind of, um, I want to have an intro. I want to have an outro with all the like recommended video and subscribe and all that. And then we just post episode. Yeah. The other thing too is eventually if you're really trying to build an audience, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money. Yeah. Like in the beginning, maybe more. I don't know that we didn't actually have to spend money in the beginning. We did start spending some money though, uh, just recently. And, and you, when we saw another bit of growth within that, when we did spend some money, so it wasn't much, but it helps, you know, it definitely helps. I mean, at the end of the day, like if it, but mm -hmm. so go mow some lawns, go wash some cars, do some little jobs, and then sure. take that money and get into your stuff. Because if this is a long term, and I don't know, is this a long term thing for you? Is this like what you have your, your eyes set on doing? I mean, just for now, since the coronavirus has kind of just been what I wanted to, um, kind of just do i've always wanted to do uh youtube and content creation something like something like that and i just kind of took this opportunity and just kind of ran with it you know but my question is are you going to continue to do this after coronavirus is over yeah i, I think so okay so it's been, it's been a success so far so i mean so then so then put some money into it go wash some cars, i did kind of I, I i put some money into it in the beginning to try to just get like like i bought some lights and everything and yeah <laughs> Well, that's what you have to do. I mean, in the beginning, I think, especially, you know, listen, I don't know a lot about the podcaster world. I'm going to be fully transparent here. Yeah, totally. So, now, I listen to certain people, but I, I heard them on, like, Facebook or something and, and found them on a podcast. I don't know about these little YouTubers out there. I don't really watch YouTube in full discretion unless I need to, like, see a video on how to do something because I don't know how to do it. Yeah. YouTube is great for it. Now, YouTube is great for some things. I just don't have a lot of free time to spend. So I don't know how many kids there are crushing it. You could ask me, and I would never be able to name any. I don't know. I wouldn't even be able to guess. <laughs> for sure. However, I'm sure there's not a lot of them. And I'm sure the ones that are around probably did the same thing where they spent some money in the beginning and really like kind of built things. But again, I don't know what those look like. So I don't know like how you go around or how you go about, maybe I should say, like as a younger person building a following. I don't know what kids are into. I don't know how they go about like getting content that everybody wants. My perspective and how we're building what we do is strictly from an adult, like more mature kind of standpoint, which is why we stuck to this mold of real interesting, real people, real stories, real educational like you're gonna learn something and you're gonna benefit from it and so you know kids aren't probably gonna watch it a lot of times now will they benefit from it of course they would if they watch it and they're trying to become an entrepreneur or a better basketball player or, or athlete or they're trying to get recruited like there's definitely things they would definitely uh grow in and would help them 
but I don't know how many people that are kids really are out there trying to like grow in those ways. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to go into like what um, challenges did you kind of face at first when you had the, your first few episodes go out? Challenges. You know, really just kind of figuring out a system. You yeah. know, it wasn't doing them. Doing them was the easy part. I yeah. knew what I wanted to talk about. So that was easy. Like, honestly, that, that whole part, like the content, giving stuff, like I've, I'm almost 40. Like I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time in yeah. so many different worlds. Like, look, I, I'm, I'm good at what I do. Again, I put 100% effort into everything I do. So I'm really good at what I do, regardless mm -hmm. of what it is. I think it was just really trying to start to understand where our sweet spot is, right? Like what, when, when we're posting, like when's the optimal posting hour for us? Like creating our systems and processes to be yeah. consistent. So we're consistently growing. That was mm -hmm. it. And I don't know that that was really a challenge per se, other than just really learning and growing with what we were doing. Yeah, for sure. And then, who, like, who do you think has been, like, the biggest inspiration to you in, like, in the kind of the podcast world? Because you kind of mentioned some people, you watch some people and trying to get an understanding about it. So, like, uh, who, who kind of did you watch? I don't even know their names. I only know the one guy. It's, like, it's, he's an Asian guy. Hold on. It's, like, Dan something. Uh, he's on Instagram. Hold on. I'll tell you. All right. For sure. A video of his, too. Hold on. Uh... <laughs> Jeez, that's a great question, man. You're putting me on spot here. For uh, wait for it. Wait for oh, you know what? I don't think I follow him. I actually think I stopped following him because it was just like I don't like to spend much time on social media. Yeah. So much stuff on there. It's like every day it's just a like so much stuff. Uh oh, Dan Locke. Mm. Dan D A N Lock L O K. He's got 1.7 million followers on his Instagram. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and why did you kind of gravitate towards him? Like huh? I said kind of like, how did you, why did you kind of gravitate toward toward his content? Like, well, what was? So the guy that I like to watch is Grant Cardone. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. So I'm a big follower of Grant Cardone. I love Grant Cardone. I've got a couple of his books. Uh, well, I'm. I can get to that, but Dan Locke. Well, because I went onto YouTube and I just typed in how to build your YouTube following, and mm -hmm. he was one of the three podcasters that came up that I that I decided to listen to. So there was there was two girls and a guy. He was the guy, uh, and there were two younger women. I don't maybe like in their mid twenties. And like I said, I just kind of took what they all said and yeah. categorized it. I mean, you just gotta spend time. Any, like anything you're going to do in life, if you want to be good at it, you need to learn about it. You need to learn how to optimize it. You need, you need to learn the ups and downs and the pitfalls. Um, learning by mistakes on your own is a great lesson. Mm -hmm. I'm a little older and I don't like to learn that way anymore. I like to learn through other people's mistakes so I don't make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. But when you're young, when I was young anyways, I mean, it's not for everybody, but when I was young, I always had to learn on my own. I just had to learn through trial and error and through making really my own mistakes. I don't like learning that way anymore. I just want to learn from other people's mistakes. I don't want to have to go through the speed bumps anymore. It sucks. Yeah. So just getting a chance to listen to other people and then just take their advice. You know, for me, that was a big thing. And that comes with maturity and age. 
Yeah. I mean, some people are just more mature and they, they don't want to learn through the bumps, uh, getting the bumps themselves. They'll actually listen to other people. And I applaud those people because honestly, good for you. You're doing something that I, that, that most people won't and you're smarter than people like that's yeah. the thing i don't think that younger people understand like if you're taking what other people are telling you and applying it and once you've learned it you're vastly ahead of most people in your own group because most people that are young they want to learn through just making the same dumb mistakes yeah i don't know why though i mean this is how people are true like Definitely. that whole saying like you can hear people talk about how gnarly a hangover is and how much it sucks, but that's not going to stop most people from drinking excessively and having a hangover. They're yeah. going to have to learn. I remember my first hangover. I remember waking up and saying I was never going to drink ever again. It was brutal. I felt like death for a day. And my dad like told me, and I still had to learn on my own, you know? So it's those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I kind of, you kind of mentioned your childhood, so I kind of wanted to go into that. So you kind of, you grew up in uh, Seattle, Washington. And um, what was that? Um, I, you, I remember we, you told me a while back that you were like one of the only like white kids in a primarily black neighborhood. So what was that? What was that? Well, it wasn't was black. Like? It was definitely mixed. So I lived in Kingston and yeah. it was mixed between Hispanic, Filipino, black, white. And we lived in between two Native American tribes. So they had their own land and the Native Americans lived on that land. Yeah. Uh, and we had, yes, we had a real just melting pot for sure. And I was only a white kid with red hair. Mm-hmm. That was a, a big problem for me because I was literally different from everyone in that regard. Yeah. <sighs> I, I grew up in a low area too. So uh, gangs were a thing in yeah. the area drugs were definitely a big deal uh, and rival neighborhoods rival gangs that kind of stuff so i grew up in a blood area and i really mm-hmm. wanted no i didn't want to be involved in any of that nonsense um i'd seen guys get stabbed and and get pretty thoroughly beat up and i'd seen some fights that had gone down and people got really badly injured and mm-hmm. i grew up in a really like strong conservative christian home and when I got in fights when I was younger, when I went home, I got punished worse than any damage that was done to me in the fight. So I didn't really feel like getting myself in any trouble, um, which was probably a good thing. I have two younger sisters. I'm the oldest of three. Yeah. So that made things more challenging because I was responsible for my sisters too. And so long story short, I got jumped by a couple of guys at school my freshman year. Yeah. And I laid them both out pretty quickly. And uh, there were a couple of guys from my neighborhood that saw that fight take place. So I got jumped in by 11 guys. And I got pretty badly beat up. Uh, I got toasted pretty good. I didn't even go to school for a couple of days because I, I don't bruise almost ever. And I was – bruised from head to toe so uh the only time i ever got high was after i got jumped in by the gang i went and got high with them a couple days later and then that was kind of it i was in uh the reason why i even bothered doing that was because i was threatened that i was either going to be my sisters or my parents property getting you know my sisters being attacked possibly raped um Mm. definitely hurt 
and my parents' property being damaged, or I was going to join the gang. So I obviously picked, I picked the gang. Now, the reason why I didn't talk to my parents about this stuff was because uh, when I was in seventh grade, I asked my parents about something. I needed some advice. Long story short, I just said, don't say anything. Please just talk to me. I need, I want to help a friend of mine. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of an outcast being a white kid with red hair, uh, you know, growing up in a conservative home, all that. So I was already kind of on the outskirts, to be honest. It wasn't something that I wasn't popular. And when my parents and my parents told me, of course, you know, we won't say anything, but they did. And they lied to me after they promised me something different. And because of that, it really damaged and fractured my relationship with my parents till my junior, senior year in high school. So I was not going to my parents with what had happened. And then these conversations that had transpired. So my parents had no idea what I was even involved in. Yeah. How much later, my dad is a smart guy. At the end of the day, you know, if you're wearing all red and all your friends are wearing all red and like my dad knew there was gang stuff going on in our neighborhood mm-hmm. and I came up with some questionable CDs that he caught me with. I had Bone Thugs and Harmony. I had Masterpiece. I knew it. I had, I was getting into all the, uh, gosh, what was Master? No Limit Soldiers, man. I had like Snoop and Master P and all these guys. My dad mm-hmm. caught me. And I got in real big trouble for that, man. And I had like Dr. Dre. Oh, dude, it was bad. For me, it was bad because I got caught with it. Yeah. So, you know, Death Row Records. I had Tupac I was bumping. Nothing good in my dad's eyes. So I got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was my junior year that he mm-hmm. caught me with all this stuff. And like, you know, he could tell I was probably getting into some trouble. Yeah. So my dad moved me to a new church where they had a youth group and my dad really like applied some pressure in my life. So my junior year, towards the end of my junior year, I got out and, you know, I, I believe it's God's blessing in my life, to be honest, because they tried killing me. Mm. Um, they, they put a hit on me and there was a financial board, which I don't know what the amount was, but I had a couple of guys try and shoot me. I had somebody trying to run me off the road. Every time I just kind of got caught in a blessing of making it out unscathed. But mm-hmm. as that happened, a gang fight erupted and a couple of guys got killed and the police started arresting a bunch of people. They moved some police officers into our neighborhood. We had like three or four police officers that moved into our neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, Things really de-escalated for me quite quickly, which was a huge blessing. And so I didn't end up suffering a huge blowback. Uh, It kind of fizzled out. And I went to college. uh, They really kind of left me alone after that. Mm, Definitely. And then, so I'm sure you got to grow up quick after that, um, because that's definitely a lot to be put on somebody. So who did you kind of look to, to seek advice from, or were you just kind of on your own at that point? Well, the challenging thing is I had to grow up really young already. That definitely added to it for sure. I would say that, you know, it obviously didn't help at all, uh, but I did have a lot of responsibility when I was younger. So I did have a lot of, yeah, I had to grow up quickly. Yeah. But you know, as far as like role models, Man, I didn't really have any good role models. Mm. Not until I changed churches. Uh, and I was going to North Kitsap Baptist in Paulsville. 
And my youth pastor was a pretty good role model, Rick Burleson. My dad and I's relationship as we repaired it, um, yeah. that became my role model again. I have a really good father. To be honest, like, I know I was really miffed about what had happened. And I don't know if I would have done anything differently if I was in his shoes, to be honest. But you don't understand that when you're a kid. And I yeah. got jumped on that because I got jumped for being a snitch. So my yeah. dad, you know, and mom were responsible for really a really tough seventh grade year for me. Um, and I got jumped by my best, one of my best friends and a couple of his homies. And then I was outcast. Nobody would talk to me. I, didn't, I already didn't have very many friends. Well, now I'm a snitch. So yeah. I had no friends. And again, the, that whole snitch thing is real. Like if you rat someone out, you better expect some negative consequences. And I just trusted my parents to not throw me under the bus. And it really set the stage for a lot of bad things that occurred to me. So, you know, not only was I outcast from the few friends that I had for the most part, I was homeschooled in eighth grade because I didn't want to go to school because of how bad my seventh grade year was. Mm -hmm. My freshman year I went back and then I got, you know, jumped right away. And so this whole, then the gang thing kind of spiraled from that. And I put a lot of blame on my dad and mom for that. I, I wouldn't do that now. I don't think that that's their fault uh, at all. But when you're a kid, you don't understand that stuff. Yeah. And I didn't. I was really immature. Uh, I was a kid. So, you know, my dad definitely became my role model again later in life. I would say that I was, I hate to even say this, but kind of like, one of the hood kids, man, like you looked up to rappers and like drug dealers and people doing things that you shouldn't really be doing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that they were role models. You just kind of look at them like, I kind of, I want that life. Like I want that car. I want that chain. I want that, you know, whatever they have. Yeah. So, and, you know, then you're looking up to hip hop stars like Snoop Dogg, you know, like something mm -hmm. positive. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It wasn't like I, I didn't have any great role models I looked up to. I like Michael Jordan. Yeah. I love Michael Jordan. I just, you know, I don't know that I had a role model I looked up to for a while. Just bad influences. Was basketball kind of an escape for all that? Yeah, most definitely. I wasn't, I was, I was horrible. I love basketball. Don't get me wrong. I love basketball. I played all the time. I just wasn't any good at it. I got cut from my junior high team seventh grade and ninth grade. I took, I didn't go eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I got cut from my high school team. I didn't try out my sophomore year. I was in a bad car accident and the coach wouldn't take people. If you mm -hmm. didn't, you, know, you went to school and you didn't try it out, he wouldn't let you on the team. So I got cut my junior and senior year. I played yeah. for the summer team. I did okay. I don't know that I did amazing, but I, I started to really like get my confidence up, but I played in a bunch of city leagues. I played in church leagues. I played in everything else I could. Yeah, it started to get better. I didn't have great coaching though. So when I got to college, I walked onto my team and I had an amazing coach. And I flourished exponentially in college. I even got a scholarship in college. Mm. And that's where my growth truly happened. And that's where I really separated myself. Uh, it was college, but man, it was a struggle to get there. For sure. I think that's a great way to end it. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for this so much. And um, yeah, how <laughs> much is all I can say? Thank you. Oh, man well i wish you the best of luck with all this i'm looking forward to seeing it and we'll talk again real soon big guy for sure the climb with jalen is hosted by jalen morris orkin produced by mitch bonson and the music is done by bowden ford for business inquiries please contact us at the at gmail.com thank you
That's the climb with J-A-E at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.